Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So you probably knew at some point in time we'd be doing this show. And it's not because Georgia's cursed or Georgia is, you know, somehow more likely to sustain serious injury than other programs. Or at least I don't think that's the case. I mean, I always think that when we kind of find ourselves in this spot seemingly every summer talking about a player that there had been some excitement for, and we kind of all of a sudden say, well, I guess now that player's hurt, that player's injured. I think it's really easy to sort of take the woe is me kind of position on this of, oh, my gosh, is Georgia ever going to catch a break? Well, it's a little harder to sell. Is Georgia ever going to catch a break topic the year after winning a national championship? When you got the championship Coke bottle on the desk, you know, the whole idea of, oh, man, if it wasn't for bad luck, Georgia wouldn't have any luck at all. You can't really sell that as an idea quite as much anymore because things are obviously better for Georgia than they've ever been. But it is one of those things where in the month of August, and I tweeted this yesterday, you're just kind of always braced for bad news because if there is news that comes out this time of year prior to the start of the season, it's almost always something negative and it's almost usually an injury. And as I kind of mentioned, while it seems like this kind of stuff exclusively only happens to Georgia, the truth is if we were kind of living knee deep in everything going on with Oklahoma or Michigan or Alabama, certainly Alabama, they've had plenty of these, but whatever the other program you might want to consider here, you probably would find out that those programs also probably feel like they're just snake bit with injuries because when you've got a list of guys that's 85 names long and when a story is told over the course of years, injuries are just going to kind of pile up because you're sort of dealing with the law of big numbers in uh, a certain extent. But nonetheless, here we are again talking about an ACL knee injury to begin a season for a promising young Georgia player. This time, it's a uh, running back, Andrew Paul. You can, of course, read about this at dognation.com. It was widely reported over the weekend, too. And most of you are kind of aware of the context on this. Paul was a less heralded freshman signee at the running back position than Branson Robinson is or was. But it seems like Paul was also having a really a pretty good camp. And, you know, he was not much like Robinson, a uh, early enrollee. These were summer arrivals. And it seems like in the case of Paul, he was making a, a pretty good name for himself pretty quickly. As we kind of get into the show today a little bit, I want to give you some context here. Let's go back to a few days ago when Georgia running backs coach Dell McGee spoke about Andrew Paul. So if you want to understand why the Paul injury matters, McGee's words kind of help you with that. But also McGee kind of veers here in the direction of kind of the overall depth that Georgia has at running back prior to the Paul injury and the kind of accounting for numbers here is a little bit of what this story ends up kind of being about. So let's let Del McGee from a few days ago set us up for our conversation here today. Come from a good high school program. They won a state championship. Uh, he was six foot, 220 pounds, so he has great size, has good speed. He's a great kid, has a great family. Um, uh, very, very quiet, hard worker. So he fits all the character uh, things that we're looking for in our football players. Uh, and we also... Uh, needed another running back. Uh, we always like to keep five on our roster. Uh, our allotted number is six, uh, but we've been kind of short of that number because of the uh, the talent that we've had in the room. So I think that right there, Dale McGee kind of gets into some very, very deep procedural issues, kind of some <laughs> logistics-oriented stuff. And this is probably only interesting if you're a really big Georgia fan, but the good news is, is that most of the people watching and listening right now are really big Georgia fans. So we can kind of get into this for a moment. Uh, McGee says, hey, our uh, allotment for scholarship running backs is six. Uh, but, you know, because the guys we have are so talented, we feel good right now carrying a low with only five. So if you think about like, the the 85 scholarship limit being a little bit like a salary cap they have an allotment of six for the running back position you, you could carry six scholarship running backs but McGee said going into the season we feel like we're okay with five scholarship running backs but we're actually one under what our allotment is well now lo and behold you take uh, uh Andrew Paul off that list for this season all of a sudden now you're down to four scholarship running backs and just in kind of the basic arithmetic of counting them up here, that is a little thinner at running back than you'd probably like to be. And I was kind of thinking about this a little bit before the show, and I know this is kind of a corny analogy, but I'm probably kind of a corny guy, so it all sort of works out that way. Like, I love to eat, 
and I love to eat a lot. And when you love to eat a lot, you kind of run yourself into a couple of different problems when you go to restaurants. And you may have experienced some of your uh, in your life in the past. Like, have you ever gone to a buffet that was just sort of decidedly average? Like, there's a lot of options available there, but none of it was very good. Like, that's one of the things that sometimes I think runs into an issue for football teams there, too. It's like, okay, well, maybe you've got the full allotment of scholarship players filling your roster, but maybe all the guys there are you know just kind of average all the guys there are just sort of no better than sort of mid-level type players or you can also have the opposite version of that like have you ever gone to a restaurant where the food was like delicious i'm talking about delicious but it was a very small portion a lot of times you go to like these fancy restaurants you get very small portions sometimes and it may be delicious and you're sort of dying for another taste of it because it wasn't quite as much as you wanted as a big eater that likes to go to restaurants i sort of find myself dealing with both issues from time to time there on that and i guess in this case in response to the andrew paul injury for georgia the dogs may be a little bit more a version of the latter than the former Georgia may not be kind of like the average bland tasting buffet where every spot is filled, but none of it's very good. Georgia may be a little bit more of the example of, wow, you really like Georgia, what Georgia has. You just wish they had more of it. The running backs that are currently healthy for UGA, based on some of the stuff that we've either seen with our own eyes, having a chance to visit practice a little bit, or heard from people who've watched even more, or just kind of the natural chatter rumor mill, or even the stuff that Kirby Smart has said. When it comes to the potential top-end performances for Georgia, the running back position, the dogs may actually be in pretty good shape on this, even if they don't quite have the full complement of the running back allotment totally filled on the roster. And I don't think you should lose sight of that if you're a UGA fan. The Paul injury is a big deal. Anytime you had a guy that you thought you might be able to count on, a freshman contributed running back spot, and now you take him away, that's never a good thing. And it almost always makes winning a little more challenging over the course of the long haul. Football just kind of naturally being sort of a an, an attrition sport. So losing a guy like Paul this early is never a good thing. But what Georgia does have going for it that is a very good thing and would leave it as the envy of most teams around the country is, is that it has the potential of having some big-time top-end performances of the guys who are currently healthy. In other words, that Georgia may not have quite as many running backs as some teams do, but it may have a better running back than almost any team in America, and that is the kind of thing that maybe you should take comfort in in light of Georgia losing a guy like Paul. And in terms of who that guy might be, once again, I'm going to kind of zero in on a guy that we talked about actually last Monday at this very time. It seems like that one of the big stories for Georgia at the running back spot, or maybe at any spot so far this summer, has been the performance of Kendi McIntosh. Kenny McIntosh being the kind of guy that is drawing praise seemingly week after week after week. And understand the idea that a lot of this coming from Kirby Smart, Smart's just the kind of guy that's going to be slow to praise. He doesn't throw compliments around effortlessly. He's not tossing these things around as if they were, you know, donuts. He's pretty slow to give too much of a compliment to any one player. But there's certain kinds of compliments that when Smart gives them, you get the sense, wow, this really must mean something because it sounds like this guy is doing exactly what Smart wants him to do. And last week, we played the audio for you. I'm not going to play it again because hopefully you heard it last week. But last week, we heard the audio of Kirby Smart talking about Kendall, uh, Kenny McIntosh saying that he's having a great camp. That's the kind of specific praise from Smart that seems to mean something because obviously Georgia trusts the players who practice well. Georgia trusts the players who are out there grinding each and every day, showing their leadership by example, but also showing their leadership with words. And it sounds like on the stuff that Kirby was saying about McIntosh last week, that's exactly what Kenny was doing. And lo and behold, a week later after a second scrimmage and another full week of practice, it sort of sounds like some of that same kind of stuff is going on for McIntosh again. So if you want to feel a little bit more comfortable about Georgia at the running back spot on the heels of the the Andrew Paul injury let's hear Kirby Smart from this past Saturday once again echoing some of the same stuff he'd already said about Kenny McIntosh the week prior here's Kirby Smart well his work ethic you know he, he's always been a worker but he was in the shadows of those other guys um and now he steps up he leads he pushes guys he he's got better stamina you know there were times where he get tired um, in practice in the past, he might be 
you know, gassed and taking reps now, he's he's the fresh guy. He can go cover a punt. He he can run routes out of the backfield. He's uh, elusive. Um, he, he has to work really hard on his weight to, to, to maintain his weight, and I think it's really important he can stay above that 205, 210 mark for, for bulk and protecting himself. But he's, he's had the best camp he's ever had by far in terms of no mental laps, picking up pressures. Um, he's done a tremendous job. I mean, doesn't that kind of compliment from Smart in the direction of McIntosh get you a little bit more excited if you're a Georgia fan about seeing him on the field this fall? I think it would for me. And with the big question hanging over the program today of, well, how do you respond after a running back ACL injury? I think my answer to that question might be a little different now than it would have been a few weeks ago. You know, one of the things we talked about on this show, however long ago, it seems like it's been a couple of weeks ago now is, at the time, I wasn't quite sure. Hey, is Georgia going to be one of these sort of ensemble running back cast this year where a lot of guys get a few carries? Are they going to kind of zero in on a tandem where two guys get way more carries than anybody else? Or is this going to be another kind of situation altogether? And all of a sudden now, I kind of find myself a little bit more comfortable with if the Milton health status were to remain uncertain. We'll have more on that in a moment. If you're not quite sure what you quite have yet in freshman running back Branson Robinson, and obviously, you know, Dejon Edwards will kind of, you know, maybe wait and see on him a little bit. But if you had to kind of lean more heavily on Kenny McIntosh as kind of a featured back here this fall, I sort of find myself more comfortable with that idea now than I ever would have imagined I would have been prior to this summer camp beginning for UGA, or I guess fall camp, if you want to call it that way. I mean, one of the guys that McIntosh has kind of been compared to so far this offseason is maybe what DeAndre Swift used to be for Georgia, the versatility of being a between-the-tackles runner, but also very sure hands, the ability to catch the football. Well, think about DeAndre Swift's last year at UGA going back to 2019. He got 196 carries for the Dogs that year rushed for 1,218 yards, and he ran behind a very good offensive line, or at least a lot of very high draft pick offensive linemen. But the offense overall for UGA was no great shakes that year, especially during SC- against SEC competition. But that's still the kind of year DeAndre Swift put together. And I'm not telling you that Kenny McIntosh is going to go out and do the same thing here this year, but I'm also not telling you he's not either to, I guess, intentionally use a double negative there. That I take the words that Smart has used about Kenny McIntosh so far this summer very seriously. And in light of a running back room that it's now gotten a little thinner on the base of the Paul injury, leaning a little more heavily on Kenny McIntosh, that's the kind of thing that I don't think I'd mind Georgia doing if that's indeed what it has to do based on the stuff that Smart's saying there. I also expect Dejon Edwards to be a big part of this discussion, too. It sounds like he's also himself had a very good camp, and eventually Kendall Milton's going to be a part of this discussion there as well. And just how healthy he is, how healthy he needs to be to be everything that Georgia fans believe he can be, we want to talk more about that coming up. But first, let's introduce the show. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how. You get to us today live on video 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, available as a podcast across all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, everything else. Just really happy to have you as a part of the program today. And a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia, making it all possible. Think about energy-efficient windows and doors, doors that look good on the outside, that make you feel good on the inside, that keep the stuff that's supposed to be outside, like bugs and hot air and things like that, where it's supposed to be, and that nice, cool air that you pay so much for with your air conditioning. Uh, that stays right where it's supposed to be, too. That's what what Pella Window and Door of George is all about. So if you haven't talked to one of those Pella experts yet to talk about the installation options that are available to you, the products, the line of services that are available to you from Pella Window and Door of Georgia, now is the time to do it. It's no pressure situation. You're going to find out what a lot of folks around the Atlanta area have known for a long time. There was a big survey that went out in 2020 of Atlanta area homeowners, and Pella Window and Door of Georgia in that survey was recognized as the most preferred window brand by homeowners across our city. So it's time for you to find out what that's all about and take advantage of great savings, too, because between now and September 30th, you get no payments, no interest for 12 months, or 50% off qualifying installations. So check them out online. It's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation for more on that. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation, or give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best all right so we got john stinchcomb coming up we're going to talk to john 
about a lot of stuff from the scrimmage on Saturday. The preparations beginning now for Georgia and Oregon. But I want to keep the running back conversation going for a moment here as we go around the doghouse, assisted today by AAA. So the big question involving Georgia right now is, how do you move on after freshman running back Andrew Paul tore his ACL, as was reported yesterday? Our first answer to that question, we gave it to you a moment ago. Well, listen, you may just lean even more heavily on Kenny McIntosh. You're going to work like crazy to keep him healthy. But based on the kind of camp that McIntosh has had, the sort of comparisons he's drawing to DeAndre Swift, is that if you had to go to work this year with a guy like McIntosh as a featured running back, I get the sense that you might feel pretty good in doing that just on the basis of the kind of buzz that he's generating. But obviously, when fully healthy, there's another running back in this Georgia situation that could similarly draw some of the same kind of praise, and that's Kendall Milton. But as we know that some of what's going on with Milton right now, missing the scrimmage on Saturday, missing the previous scrimmage, is a little bit of an echo of some of what's happened for Milton uh, in his past here at Georgia. We're going to try to spend a couple of minutes sort of trying to figure out what that's all about. First, here is Kirby giving you a little bit of a hopeful update on Milton from Saturday despite the fact that he wasn't able to scrimmage it sounds like Kirby's not too concerned about this this is Kirby from Saturday Kendall did not go today again although he's much better than he was he's really close to being full speed having not practiced um we're not gonna put him back out there because he didn't practice for the scrimmage but he should be um back full speed so listen I think you take that as as good as you possibly can the Kirby smart saying yes he was held out but eventually we think he's going to be fine and with two weeks to go to get ready for Oregon you certainly hope that he's able to kind of participate in practice fully so that he can be as big a part of the game plan as possible against the Ducks because just one more capable running back and gosh knows when we've seen those flashes from Milton we would all agree that he's incredibly capable uh, but having the kind of practice time necessary to show those capabilities against the Ducks that would obviously be a really good thing and who knows maybe there's even a little extra juice for Milton in a game like that because he, him being a West Coast guy playing a West Coast team he might have even a little extra juice uh, about all of that that might be even a little extra fun for him and to go back to Dale McGee for a moment when McGee had his press conference the other day and he was talking about all those individual running backs he obviously addressed the fact that over the course of Milton's time here at UGA he has had some injuries he's had moments where he's been you know removed from the practice field so what has Kendall been doing to stay ready to 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 be more ready to play while he's been you know too hurt to be a full go uh, McGee did give us a little bit of an insight into that the other day about what Milton's preparations are like when he's not fully participating in practice. This was McGee from the other day. The development piece, he, you know, you lose reps when you're not on the football field, but the way we structure practice and have walkthroughs, he's getting those uh, mental reps that, that are well needed against various looks. So from that perspective, he, he's still inclined to uh, be, a, be a good performer on, Friday, on Saturday nights and Saturday afternoons. So once again, words of confidence, you know, some of the other statements that McGee made about Milton during that press conference the other day was that he had been healthy prior to obviously what's kept him out of the last two scrimmages and he had been having a very good camp. So you heard Dell McGee saying some really good things about Kendall Milton that prior to the little hamstring thing that he's been dealing, dealing with here that he actually been in kind of pretty good shape and had been himself a pretty good performer so once again everybody's seemingly saying all the right things about Milton here right now and you know listen I'm not a former player so I don't exactly know you know what the process for him is going to be to sort of shake off this hamstring injury and be back out there doing everything that Georgia kind of needs him to do but that word need I think kind of becomes the key word in all of this in 2020, when Milton was just a freshman, he was a little bit of a luxury for UGA. It was kind of nice to have another guy to go along with what you thought that Zamir White and James Cook were capable of doing for you. And in 2021, some of that kind of still remained true there as well. Georgia was getting tough, hard yards when it mattered from a guy like Zamir White. James Cook was becoming one of the heroes in a national championship team, and they were absorbing a lot of the spotlight. And so a little bit of a banged up, nicked up injury situation from time to time wasn't quite as big an issue. But now for Georgia, even before Andrew Paul got hurt, a guy like Kendall Milton has a much bigger spotlight on him. This is kind of his team now, along with a guy like Kenny McIntosh. And McIntosh and Milton, along with Dejon Edwards, are kind of in that role where, where guys like James Cook and Zamir White were a year ago. That this really is your time to sort of show everybody what you're all about. And 
you know, I hope he gets healthy enough that he's able to do that because it would be a great thing for Kendall to be able to do that. But it's also one of those things where Georgia kind of needs that. They need everybody they have to be as healthy as they possibly can be. This isn't a younger version of Milton in kind of a luxury additive role. This is a third-year version of Kendall Milton with a chance to be one of the featured backs on this team. So once again, how is Georgia going to respond to the Andrew Paul injury? Well, it's going to lean on Kenny McIntosh. It's going to trust Dejon Edwards, and it's going to really hope here in the next few days it can get Kendall Milton fully healthy too. And if those three guys are able to be uh, – you know, depended on and, and relied upon for the entire season, then the idea that Georgia doesn't have enough running back depth, that may never show up and be a true serious issue. But obviously one more issue, uh, one more injury showing up or one more issue lingering on the backs of what Paul happened, had happened to him over the course of the weekend would start to feel a little bit like a concern. So you're going to watch that closely. Georgia may be just enough running backs and obviously the potential for some top-end performers to really stand up and shine here in 2022. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at AAA. And, of course, we appreciate AAA. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is a true story. Another situation where uh, somebody that I know very closely had to reach out to AAA here this weekend for that roadside assistance for which AAA is famous. It seems like I probably have a lot of uh, sort of snake bit situations it feels like i'm using AAA a lot in my uh, life right now but another one of those situations kind of popped up here this weekend and i'm glad to know the AAA is out there when it comes to uh that roadside assistance but i'm also happy they offer so many great insurance products as well including home insurance there too there's so many great benefits that come through from getting your home insurance through AAA. one of those is claim free rewards when you earn cash back for every year that you remain claim free it's a really cool way that AAA wants to help take care of you when it comes to uh, you know, great home insurance through the AAA line of services there. So make sure to check them out online. It's AAA.com slash home insurance. That's AAA.com slash home insurance. You can also give them a call 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. Happy to have AAA delivering around the doghouse to us here today. All right, so we want to get more into what's going on with Georgia, the Andrew Paul injury, the scrimmage that took place on Saturday, the preparations for the Oregon Ducks. We're going to cover all of those bases right now. Always great to have him on board, especially a day like this. It's the former Georgia All-American John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And we'll get ready to say hello to John Stinchcomb. Always great to have him a part of our program and what we're doing here each and every day. And on days like this, Georgia fans have a lot on their mind, so John's words carry a little extra weight. John, we're talking about the Andrew Paul knee injury, and it's just, you know, you, you hate this, right? It's just one of those things. You hate it for him in particular because it seems like he was having a very good fall camp and on his way to what could have been a really fun freshman season. And now he'll have to wait on his Georgia debut, but also you kind of turn the page to what comes next. And we talked about this a moment ago. Hey, if you have to lean more on Kenny McIntosh, sounds like that's a guy you can lean on. Dejon Edwards has earned some good praise this summer too. You got to really hope you get a guy like Kendall Milton back healthy and kind of ready to go. But, but all of these kind of become more central issues for Georgia now that you're one running back thinner when it comes to that overall depth. What was your reaction to the Paul injury? Well, it's obviously unfortunate. He was having a good camp. Every report that was coming out, he was the, the guy drawing drawing attention. And, uh, you know, you, you hate it for him because, you know, you're off to a good start and you feel like you can contribute in an area that, uh, there was probably not much expectation for him to come in immediately. If anyone, there was Branson Robinson as a true freshman that you're thinking uh, might get a few reps. But because of the depth, uh, because you've got guys, some seniors and Kenny McIntosh and guys that have been a part of the program as long as they have and Kendall Milt and then uh, Dejon Edwards, um, it was almost a luxury, and I, I know it stinks for him on a personal level, but for Georgia, there's still a number of running backs that are that are capable, and that's because of the recruiting process and, and being able to build in those positions. Does, uh, does it help when you lose a, a person of his caliber that has already garnered attention? Obviously not, but I don't think you need to be sounding any alarms at this point. And one of the things I've kind of talked about here a little bit is if Georgia had to do 
with Kenny McIntosh in 2022, with what it did with DeAndre Swift in 2019, you know, make him a feature back, give him, you know, Swift in 2019 got nearly 200 carries, that if you had to really lean on him, you know, assuming he stays healthy, based on the chatter that McIntosh is earning so far this summer, leading into the start of the season, John, I think I might be okay with that, just based on the level of buzz that seems to exist around him right now. Yeah, and I, I think at some point you have to realize there's only, there's only one football on the field. There are so many playmakers right now in that Georgia offense that it's going to be tough to get the number of touches. And, and that's a good thing because the season is long and it's a bear and you're playing in the SEC and uh, most of the games are, you know, there's no cupcakes that you can just say, oh, we, we have to get up to the three games this year. That's just not the case. And especially when you're coming off in a national championship, everyone's going to be giving their, their best. And uh, you're going to want to be able to, to have some depth and spell some guys. But uh, for these playmakers, it's going to be that sacrificial, selfless, team-first mentality that's going to be paramount because there's so many guys that you think, man, they can carry the load and probably will uh, in, in various stretches this season. But you know, whether you're talking about the tight end room or the depth at running back and the development and, and uh, additions made in the wide receiver room, there's just playmakers. And that's a, that's a luxury that hasn't always been the case at Georgia, and it's become mainstay. And I think this year is probably more prominent than most that um, there is such great depth that as you ro- rotate guys in, there's not the drop-off. Um, it's, it's really more a concern of how do you make sure that you keep these guys content and engaged when it's not their time. The other thing that comes up here is Kendall Milton and the fact that you know he's got a little bit of a lingering hamstring issues, kept him out of both scrimmages thus far this month. And here's what I'm curious about as someone who you know, didn't play the game but obviously tries to follow a story like this close. Is there something that Georgia can do to help with that or is this just bad luck? Because like the one thing I think we would both acknowledge, you and I both, this isn't a five-year NFL veteran being held out of a preseason game. Like, it's not a insignificant decision when someone like Milton misses both of the scrimmage leading to the start of the season because this is a guy this year that's going to be asked to be in a much bigger role in the offense than he's ever been before that, you know, all things being equal, of course George would want him to be in these scrimmages and he hasn't been healthy enough to go. So this is not a, a non-story necessarily, even though Kirby Smart has kind of downplayed it. And we obviously know that Milton's obviously dealt with a couple of injuries so far during his college career too. Is there something that can be done here to, you know, help a guy like that or really any kind of situation like this get through something like this easier and quicker and sort of, you know, I, I guess maybe prevent it from happening? Or is this just one of those things that you, you know, are just kind of forced to pray to the injury gods and everything just sort of works out okay? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because for any of your speedier players, wide receivers, DBs, running backs specifically, um, if you had that early season training camp hamstring injury, that's one that uh, I am most cautious of because it can linger all season long. It hampers your ability and, you know, whether they can get to that top speed um, six, seven, eight weeks from that injury is still a question mark. Well, they still feel that twinge. It's different than a number of in- injuries that just time and uh, sometimes even a arthroscopic surgery can repair and you come back and you're better than where you were before but with hamstrings those those jokers can linger especially as you try to work yourself back in so um, there is some concern there and he does have a history of injuries and as for uh, what you what can be done uh, one of the things that is defining at the University of Georgia is that they practice hard and they yeah. compete against each other frequently um, and that's just part of the culture so with that, um, you, you, you see the benefit of it in that there's continued improvement. We've seen over these past few years under the Kirby Smart era, you see guys get better. And I don't think that's independent of the fact that they're pushing and, and competing and the expectation remains high. Um, so, so guys are getting better. They are developing throughout the season and, and from one season to the next. The cost is, uh, when you push and you grind, 
consistently, uh, you are more vulnerable to injuries. And I understand uh, that off-season work is, is trying to be just as preventative and prophylactic and uh, making sure you're healthy and uh, don't want the injuries to come, but that's that's the nature of the beast. So what can be done? I mean, you try to manage guys' reps and you try to uh, pick and choose drills, but there is a culture that's been created that at practice we're going to go hard, and um, it, it's tough to balance those two at times, and especially when the priority is, uh, to compete and push and make guys best even better. Prophylactic, not a word I thought we'd be hearing on today's show, John. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you have to throw the elephant word out there, DA, and, and hopefully you don't you don't blow it. But, Indeed, uh, yeah, that's the case. Indeed, that's the case. So, uh, John, Georgia also held a scrimmage on Saturday there as well, and these things are always so interesting, and there are people that get a chance to see more of kind of what goes on here, and we're all kind of ear to the ground about, okay, what did George do behind closed doors? Last week, a lot of donors got a chance to see that. There's more folks, you know, including some more players, got a chance to see that this past weekend. You know, what's the general sense that you get about how that second scrimmage went for UGA on Saturday? Well, I think it was very competitive, and I think it was eye-opening to see the roles that some of these younger players are going to be a part of. And uh, when you have to replace 15 guys to the to the draft and 13 to attrition of the transfer portal, that lends itself to a lot of opportunity for younger players to kind of step up and step in and contribute. And uh, from everything that I've heard and all, all of what you see, there's a lot of young guys that are ready and already uh, making the plays that, that you need. And luckily for Georgia, there's a core, uh, a core of veteran players that have created a culture and understand um, what, what it takes for a national championship and to make the run and, and to hold the standard that Georgia has uh, set for these past few years. Uh, but there's going to be opportunities for these young players to come in and, and step up and step in. Uh, you know, from the defensive backfield, Kamari Lasseter is a guy that has garnered a lot of attention as, as someone who's going to be across from Keely Ringo, who's more of your season vet, and obviously uh, the, the key playmaker in that national championship game, but also some other younger guys. Um, Nyland Green has shown up, and um, you know, Malachi Starks. So there's going to be opportunities for guys to contribute uh, early. And from the scrimmage, it seems like they're, they're ready for those, those opportunities. And the good news is, um, you know, often what we talk about with wide receivers is, you know, let's figure out what they do best and highlight uh, their skills and, and plug them in as needed and they can develop the rest of their game and i think that's pretty much the case across the board is uh you've got that depth you've got the veteran leadership and you're adding pieces and specific strategic situations that will allow them to play at their best and along those lines john if a guy like kamari laster is going to emerge as your starter cornerback opposite keely ringo if a guy like malachi Starks is a part of that rotation of safeties defensive backs going to be on the field for UGA or if you've got like these dynamic freshman edge players like a Mikel Williams or Marvin Jones Jr. how much do you think all of that can help absorb some of what seemingly everybody seems to view as sort of a level of attrition for UGA um, because of all that was lost off last year's defense how many you th- how much do you think that some of these young guys can kind of slow down some of that talk of Oh, what is Georgia going to be defensively after what they lost from a year ago? Well, I think they're going to be uh, certainly asked to step up into those situations, and I think they're going to be ready uh, based on, on what I've seen, what I've heard, and um, just where they're at and what, what the ask is going to be. They're, because of Georgia's depth, and I realize 28 guys is a lot to lose from one season to the next, but – because of the returning uh, players, and specifically on defense, um, you know, having guys like Robert Beal and Nolan Smith come back, and 
uh, anchor some of those edge positions and be able to communicate and uh, get guys put in the right situation and in the right alignment for them to be able to be vocal and say, hey, you know, we need to be watching for these type plays and this situation and this formation. It allows younger players to step in and think less. They don't have to work through that progression and, and thought process that most young players do, especially when their ask is uh, to, to answer all the situations, all the scenarios. That's just not going to be the case. It's, we're going we're gonna to be able to craft and limit the exposure for these young players so that when they do contribute, they can just play ball. And um, fortunately, what Georgia's been able to do is recruit at such a high level and, and get guys in that from day one can contribute in, in situational play. And uh, I think with Starks and Williams and Green, uh, they're the type players that, you know, they, they certainly have the, the physique and physical tools to contribute. And now you've limited that uh, steep learning curve that it takes to learn every aspect of the game and, and trimmed it back to, in this situation, you can pin your ears back and do what you do best. And we'll, we'll develop as, as the season goes on and as their career goes on. want to ask you about next Saturday against Oregon coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you, there's a big event coming up with our friends at the Atlanta Braves that everybody's got to be ready for. This is going to be a great time coming up on August 30th. It's UGA night with the Atlanta Braves, a great tradition that's been going on now for a number of years there at Truist Park. And this year's event is going to be maybe the most fun thus far because you're going to get, when you go, uh, when you buy the, the, pet, the, the specialty ticket package for this great event, you're going to a Braves UGA co-branded stadium seat and four dollars of every ticket package sold is going to go back to the UGA Atlanta chapter scholarship fund so that's really exciting stuff and in addition to the great event with the Atlanta Braves and the great specialty ticket package you can be a part of also a fun pregame party there as well it's a tailgate and uh, watch party at the ASW distillery at the Battery Atlanta that's prior to the game there that day on August 30th. Harry Dog's going to be on hand too. Great food starting at 5.30 p.m. there for that. So a great specialty ticket package available to you, which comes with a really cool uh, uh, co-branded stadium seat that has the Dogs logo, the Braves logo right there on that, and a great way to support the UGA Atlanta Chapter Scholarship Fund there too. So go to Braves.com slash UGA for more on this. That's Braves.com slash UGA and be a part of the 2022 version of the UGA night coming up the Atlanta Braves there on August 30th. John, so now we are kind of in that moment of the year which you sort of switch away from kind of camp mode, spend a couple of weeks getting ready for the Oregon Ducks. How does the scenario change now? How, do, how does the mood around practice become different now that you really can see not too far off in the distance that first opponent and it's kind of a big name brand opponent on a big stage like Mercedes-Benz Stadium? What does practice feel like now that you start to get not quite into game week yet that's next week but you were definitely much more and based on the words even kirby smart used this past saturday you are definitely much more in game mode now how does that make it different well you finally raise your head up and you've just kept your head down nose to the grindstone focused on georgia and you don't need to be aware of anyone else across the country you're trying to uh, make sure (laughs) one you get through training camp healthy but two, you, you've planted in your teammates' minds and your coaches' minds that um, you're going to be a contributor. You're going to be a cornerstone. You're going to be reliable this season. And we're, we're at that point in training camp where a lot of that dust has settled. And now it's about, all right, we've identified who's going to be where and what situations, and, and we can start looking outside and, and you know, preparing for an Oregon team that's hungry and, you know, shouldn't be on the same level of Georgia, but they don't know that and they won't come in with that mentality and uh, until you convince them otherwise that you can expect their dead level best because, you know, they've been in that same part of training camp that you have and that uh, it's, it's a grind and, you know, hope springs eternal this time of year for every team and, uh, I'm sure Dan Lanning, based on what he's been able to do at Georgia and, and the way he rallies and motivates players, that his guys are going to have a lot of belief in themselves. And so for Georgia, 
you know, you, you start shifting your focus and um, focusing on, on what it's going to take this week one in a unique situation back in the uh, in the dome there in Atlanta and uh, trying to be ready for this season. So mentally there's a shift, mentally there's preparation for uh, instead of just focusing on uh, Georgia and, and beating on each other, uh, now you're starting to say, all right, what's, what's Oregon run? What, uh, what are we looking at? What are, what's my role going to be? So you, you kind of shift your eyes, shift your focus on looking down those to the grindstone to uh, now we actually have an opponent that isn't wearing the same color, color jersey. John, great stuff. Thank you for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia Today. We'll look forward to uh, hearing more from you next week. And at that point in time, we'll be less than seven days away from the dogs and the ducks. So we are excited about that and obviously happy to have you with us as we go through all of that and the entire season that's on its way. So have a good week. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. You too, BA. I can't wait to uh, watch the dogs defend their national championship and uh, seek their second in a row i love it i love it john that's great stuff thanks a lot let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through i love that thought why not come back and do it all over again here in 2022 bring that national championship back home again love that indeed let me tell you something else i love that's a royal caribbean cruise vacation and what a great time it is to be on a wonderful Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, whether you're thinking about one of those three or four night stays, going to the Bahamas, how about Perfect Day, Coco Cay, or you want a uh, seven night stay there as well on one of the larger ships like uh, Oasis class ship, whether it be Wonder of the Seas, largest cruise ship in the world on its way to Port Canaveral right there uh, in Florida. A short drive from where I'm sitting for you right now. I was on Harmony of the Seas going back to February. Just a great time to be doing all of that. And our friend Jessica Slater, wants to help you out with that uh you can find her online dreamvacations.com slash jay slater that's dreamvacations.com slash jay slater and she's a great agent and she and i've talked a lot she's helped me with one of the cruise vacations i have coming up and you know one of the things that i just really understand is is that when you put your trust in that sort of person jessica goes on a million cruises she knows Royal Caribbean like the back of her hand and I don't know that anybody's probably sending more folks on a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation than Jessica is right now she's just very plugged into that uh, product and that experience and so when I have questions hey well, should I do this should I do that she's just got a really good opinion on that because she's had a lot of these cruise experiences with Royal Caribbean she's helped a lot of people with their you know Royal Caribbean cruise vacation in the past and I really do think that your experience of having a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation going to be made better by helping being helped by someone who has booked a lot of these and that's what jessica's done so you can find her online dreamvacations.com slash jay slater that's dreamvacations.com slash jay slater and you can get going there on that and with that said we'll get going now cruiser on the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and we've reached an important milestone as we we're talking to john there we're only a week away from being being kind of in game week for georgia well, we're also now in a game week for at least one SEC team or one SEC team in this case, and that's Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt will play late Saturday night in Hawaii against the University of Hawaii. And this has actually kind of been sort of a, a weird thing thus far this summer. There's been a lot of gambling interest on the part of uh, Vanderbilt. Hawaii may be literally the worst team in the country this year. It may be one of the worst teams of all time. They have, you know, they've lost almost in entirely the the entirety of their production from a year ago they've just had a huge turnover they had a little bit of a player revolt or something like that i'm not even really quite sure all that's quite gone on there but it has sort of left the program somewhat wrecked and for a vanderbilt team going a long way to play this game and vanderbilt itself being no great shakes the actual the thought is that vanderbilt uh <laughs> could be coasting to an easy win against the uh against the rainbow warriors here coming up but nonetheless we do have an sec team playing this saturday it is week zero we'll get at least a version of espn college game day that morning there's some other week zero games taking place and we have reached the end of the offseason because an sec team asterisk it's only vanderbilt but nonetheless an sec team will play on saturday rainbow warriors and commodores check local listings for more information on that I saw where a former SEC quarterback, John Rice Plumley, and actually a former uh, guy that was involved with UGA in recruiting, had some time at Ole Miss, and actually had you know prior to Lane Kiffin arriving, you know John Rice Plumley had a couple of good moments for the Rebels. 
Well, he has since transferred. He is at UCF. And Rice Plumley has been named as the starting quarterback for Gus Malzahn and UCF. So kind of a big win there for a former SEC quarterback to get a starting nod there with Malzahn. And listen, I think the Knights or the Golden Knights, whatever they're called, I think they're a little bit of a problem here for some of those Florida programs. We talk a lot about the uh, Gators. And right now the Gators are falling all over themselves to pat themselves on the back because they had a couple of recruiting wins last weekend but the truth is the last time we saw them in the football field they were losing head-to-head to UCF you know clearly Florida plays in a better conference than UCF does but what proof do you have right now that Florida is either a better team or a better program than what Malzahn has in Orlando at the bounce house I don't know that you have a lot of evidence now do I believe that UCF is a better program um than uh than Florida I, I don't know that I do but if Florida was on trial for being a better than better program than UCF, would there be enough evidence con- to convict it of that right now? Not the head-to-head result, not the overall win-loss record. Uh, UCF is about to move into what is at least technically a Power 5 conference. So I think that you have a very interesting scenario here with what Malzahn is building there with the uh, Golden Knights, with uh, UCF, or Knights. I don't even know what they want to be called. I frankly don't care what they want to be called. But nonetheless... They have a chance to win some games, and Rice Plumley is another example of that, that uh, that for Florida State and for Florida, two of those Sunshine State programs that have kind of fallen on hard times at least a little bit. Uh, Malzahn maybe building something of note at UCF is an even bigger problem uh, for them maybe there as well. We have an interesting development in the kind of war of words has been ongoing between Shane Beamer, the South Carolina coach, and Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach. And if you ever follow any version of like military history, like the one thing you know is, is that you can't fight a war on two fronts. It's like the, I guess like the, <laughs> like the oldest piece of like sort of military strategy uh, advice that anyone's ever going to give you. It seems like Stoops has been fighting wars on a number of fronts as of late. He's been going back and forth with his basketball uh, colleague at Kentucky, John Calipari. And he's also at the same time, seemingly picking a fight with Shane Beamer at South Carolina. So one of the things, and I want to try to walk you through this. I'm going to give you the, uh, the Shane Beamer response here. So this kind of starts with something that uh, Mark Stoop said. You know how the other day we kind of played you a little bit of audio from Kirby Smart in his interview with uh, Marty McGee, SEC Network from SEC Media Days. Every coach did one of these. And in Mark Stoop's interview with the SEC Network two duo of Marty and McGee, he said something that was kind of thought to be a shot at South Carolina coach Shane Beamer. So let me read what um, uh, what Stoop said and why people took this as a jab at Beamer. He says, it's easy to change the climate. He says, you just change a uniform, meaning the program. You can change the climate of a program by just changing a uniform. You can talk a little game. You can dance around. You can put on some stupid sunglasses. You can change a climate. But to change a culture is at the core. And I'm quite certain we've changed our culture, just who we are and how we've perceived he says walk around with some of the greatest coaches and the respect you get and they respect that our players carry with them so that's what uh mark stoops said a lot of people thought that was about shane beamer because do you remember the video that came out prior to beamer's appearance at sec media days where he did put on sunglasses he did dance around it was like a viral type video thing that got a lot of attention and so i think people probably rightly so assume that the Stoops comment was about Shane Beamer. Stoops has since denied that's what it's about. He said he was talking about himself. But nonetheless, I think people took that to be a jab at Beamer, and I think they're right for doing so. It seems fairly obvious that all of the comment was veiled. It was directed in the uh, uh, direction of Shane Beamer. Well, coming back on that, Shane Beamer was speaking the other night, I guess in kind of a booster club type event. He said, make no mistake about it. The climate in our facility is hot right now, and the culture is a hell of a lot hotter. So Shane Beamer responded back in a big way to a Mark Stoops, which is kind of funny. It's another example of something that seems to be going on a lot lately, which are SEC coaches having a battle in kind of a very public fashion war of words going back and forth it was nick saban and jimbo fisher it was mark stoops and john calipari now it's mark stoops with shane beamer this is the kind of thing that just sort of didn't used to happen and i don't know what that says about uh, uh, greg sankey this is happening a lot more now i think it's entertaining for all of us so we don't necessarily want it to stop because any kind of stuff that makes a little more juice between these coaches is probably entertaining for those of us who either talk about it every day on a show like this or just like following the league. So I don't necessarily want it to go away. I just kind of notice that it's different. The other thing this sort of brings to mind is 
how different most of college football is from what we experience here at Georgia. Because for the most part, what we experience here at Georgia is a guy like Kirby Smart trying to turn down the attention his program gets. You know, Georgia is, and, and Georgia's not the only one like this, Ohio State, Alabama, a handful of programs kind of are, where they've got more attention than they need. And there's a huge market for attention around these programs all the time. So if you're Kirby, you're constantly doing things to try to deflect the attention, water down the attention, just sort of see if you can reduce the intensity of the spotlight that's on your program. And you might be left to conclude that all coaches are that way because they want to stay to the business of football. But the truth is, as you actually find out that for most programs, most coaches, even in SEC level programs, they actually don't have as much attention on their program as they wish they had because attention is its form of currency. It, when, when the media is paying attention to you, that also means that maybe more recruits are paying attention to you there as well. So there is a degree that a lot of coaches, the average coach in the SEC, Shane Beamer, Mark Stoops, guys like that, they're actually a lot different than Kirby Smart is. They're not trying to deflect attention away from their program. They're trying to cultivate it. And when Mark Stoops sees Shane Beamer get a lot of attention because of a viral video that Beamer actually performed pretty well in, all of a sudden Mark Stoops maybe gets a little jealous of that and says, hey, why aren't people talking about Kentucky right now? What can I do to get people talking about Kentucky? Oh, I'll take a jab at Shane Beamer. Maybe that'll get some attention on me. I'll deny it if anybody says anything to me about it, but it will be my way of trying to get some attention back on my program and away from my basketball team or away from my rival in the division south carolina it's an example of how a lot of coaches the beamers the stoops guys at that level are just different than guys like kirby or saban or whoever's coaching ohio state in any given year in that places like that they're trying to turn down the attention because they've already got so much of it but in most cases the attention that's going to the big schools takes the attention away from these other programs and they're trying to do anything they can to cultivate it including the war of words here between maybe Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops as kind of an example of that. One final thing for you here. This isn't the first time this has happened. So there was a tweet that kind of went somewhat viral over the course of the last few days of what was supposedly a Colin Cowherd top 25. And it got a lot of attention for a lot of ways. It was sort of perfectly written to kind of generate a lot of attention in the right places. You know, speaking of a program like kind of Georgia, in that regard, I think Georgia was like 15th in this Colin Coward top 25. We'll come to find out it's not real. And this isn't the first time this happened. There's this entire like cottage industry now of like sort of fake tweets and things like that, uh, where um, somebody will take something that was said many years ago and try to repackage it as new or just sort of make something out of whole cloth. And for whatever reason, it feels like Colin Coward must be involved in a handful of these from time to time. So this is another example of that. Cowherd, I guess, has responded to this publicly. This is not his top 25 and not in any way reflective of his actual opinion. So if you saw the thing go around with Cowherd having Georgia like 15th in his preseason ranking and like Tennessee was like fifth. That was the other thing that was kind of crazy about this is that Tennessee was in the top five. Georgia was barely in the top 15. This was not real. This was not Cowherd's real top 25. He has distanced himself from it. And another example of a fake tweet for whatever reason being put out there and getting a little bit of attention and we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i'll also give a quick shout out to my friends at merriweather and tharp i'm very excited because our friends from merriweather and tharp are going to be with us coming up for our dog nation duck hunt tailgate that's going to be so much fun on september 3rd as georgia gets ready to take on Oregon there that day and I love hanging out with Bob and his wife Ashley and the entire team from Meriwether and Tharp when we get a chance to do that but I also love the work they do for the folks in our audience there too I do truly trust my friends at Meriwether and Tharp to help you through maybe one of the most challenging situations you're going to deal with in your entire life if you find yourself maybe dealing with divorce it's a tough thing, but it's a tough thing that can be made a little easier when you have a great advocate like Meriwether and Tharp on your side so please find them online at Meriwether and Thorpe, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the website to get you in touch with Meriwether and Thorpe. They're your source for Georgia divorce, and you can find them online at the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Let me also say one more thing before we wrap up here today. I'm also really excited about another big event we have coming up on September 1st. It is time to get your calendars marked and make plans to be with us for our big season kickoff event 
uh, at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody coming up on Thursday, September 1st at 6 p.m. It's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. It's going to be a tremendous, exciting event, and I can't wait for it. So hope you'll join us there for that. Uh, we have some fun, some special surprises maybe in store for you too, but just a great night with Dog Nation getting ready for the 2022 season. It's next Thursday, not this week, but next week, next Thursday uh, at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody, 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. Please make plans to be with us at 6 p.m. for that great event. Can't wait to be back at the Marlowe's Tavern again. A lot of you have been asking, when are you going to be back at Marlowe's Tavern? The answer is on September 1st for a huge season kickoff event. It's going to be a great time. We can't wait to see you for it, and we will look forward to seeing you then. All right, to wrap up here for today, a golden shoe to our buddy Jeff Sintel for sharing this picture. Now, a couple of these got shared. Our, our good friend Matt Stewart also shared one, uh, too. I didn't think that was quite as good a picture of me, so I won't use the uh, Matt Stewart picture, although I was very happy to be working with Matt Stewart and Rusty Manzo this weekend. But Jeff shared a picture of he and I working together on Saturday. Uh, to everybody who put the Corky Kale Classic together, uh, I.J. Rosenberg, the entire team that he has working, his daughter Ashley works very hard behind the scenes. Uh, the broadcast folks I shared the day with, like Matt Stewart and Kaylee Manzel, and obviously Jeff and Rusty Manzel. It is just an event I'm so proud to be a part of, and it's such a great way to start a time of year that I love. Obviously, the Georgia football season, but the high school football season to go along with that. Great start for us this past week with the Corky Kell Classic. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of it. And for those of you who watched it, thanks for doing that. So a golden shoe in that direction for all of that. And with that said, about a lousy, stinking Gator update. We do our Gator Hater Updater. Long time since Florida's won a national championship. It's been 4,974 days. And our Gator Hater Countdown dogs back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. 68 days from right now. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Happy to be back doing this with you again after a couple of days of missing the uh, cooldown on the podcast, at least anyway. So I want to get a couple of comments here. Mike Brown writes in about whether or not Kirby Smart might go to the transfer portal for a running back now that Andrew Paul is injured. I think the problem with that there now is, is that <laughs> are you ever like the last one to buy your Halloween candy? Um, you know how like by the time you get ready to buy it school supplies are kind of the same way I always feel like my family you know as hard as my wife works to sort of get all of our kids ready for stuff it still sort of feels like you just get busy and you're like the last one to buy school supplies and you can never find like the three-pronged folders with the braids or the, you know, those things you're supposed to put up there you just never quite find everything that, that you're kind of looking for it's sort of picked over Halloween candy can kind of be the same way I think the transfer portal at this point in time is probably just pretty well picked over and I think part of the issue is, and this has never been explicitly stated, but you know, for a team like Georgia that never added a transfer player, although Smart has acknowledged they did pursue a couple of transfer players, but a team like Florida, you know, at one point in time, Billy Napier had talked at the end of spring practice, they were going to be the most active in transfer portal, active in the transfer portal. But the truth is, is that when the, uh, when the, kind of the post-spring practice lead up to the May 1st deadline to be in the portal to have eligibility for the upcoming year, there actually wasn't this huge influx of players into the portal the way that maybe some people thought. This didn't get a ton of attention, but I think it was probably true for a lot of coaches that I think there are a handful of coaches, maybe even Kirby Smart, who kind of thought they were going to be more active in the portal than they turned out to be. Hey, Georgia didn't lose a ton of players, and maybe they thought they might lose more players than they did, and nor did they really add a player because maybe that kind of elite high-level player just never quite arrived. So, you know, maybe Georgia would have considered something like this before, but that kind of Georgia-level player just kind of wasn't really in the portal. But as it stands now, that's definitely – not true anymore that you know at this stage of the game there just probably isn't a UGA level player that you could have you know transfer into the program now will Georgia consider a transfer running back for next season that's entirely possible uh obviously Alabama is going to lean pretty heavily on a transfer running back here this year but as of right now the hay is just probably in the barn uh our buddy uh Sacktown Inn writes in to say he is so okay with Kenny McIntosh getting 20 carries in game one. He says veteran players are supposed to be bow cows. And we kind of talked about that ourselves a little bit earlier today, that if Georgia really does need to lean a little more heavily on Kenny McIntosh, based on the kinds of things that Kirby Smart's saying right now, 
That's a decision that I think I'd be very much okay with. My guess is a lot of Georgia fans agree with the Twitter commenter here that if that's what Georgia needs to do, then Georgia may be in good hands because of the buzz growing around McIntosh at the moment. So we appreciate your comments, and we will uh, look forward to doing those with you again tomorrow. Always happy to have you here with the uh, podcast Cool Down presented by R.S. Andrews. You can find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust them on all of that so check them out today online rsandrews.com air conditioning unit they can get it tuned back up factory fresh specs and they got great new ac units there as well but they're going to do everything they can to get some more life out of your old unit before they even talk at all about a new unit that's what i love about rs andrews so find them online rsandrews.com for a lot more on that and we will see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia